Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the Good Food First Quarter 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. As a courtesy to others, we ask that each participant limit themselves to one question and, if necessary, one follow-up question. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. Please note that the questions will be taken from financial analysts only. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I'd like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, January 13, 2021, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Furthermore, I'd like to remind you that today's presentation may contain forward-looking statements about Good Food's current and future plans, expectations and intentions, results, level of activity, performance, goals or achievements, or other future events or developments. As such, please take a moment to read the disclaimer on the forward-looking statements on slide two of the presentation. And I'd like to turn the meeting over to your host for today's call, Jonathan Ferrari, Good Food Chief Executive Officer. Mr. Ferrari, you may proceed. Thank you. Bonjour à tous et bienvenue à l'appel conférence des marchés Good Food pour présenter nos résultats financiers du premier trimestre de l'exercice 2021, clos le 30 novembre 2020. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this call for Good Food Market Corp, in which we'll present our financial results for the first quarter of fiscal 2021, ended on November 30th, 2020. I'm pleased to be joined on the call today by Neil Kagi, Good Foods President and Chief Operating Officer, and Philip Adam, Chief Financial Officer. Our press release reporting our first quarter results was published earlier this morning. It can be found on our website at makegoodfood.ca and on CDAR. Please be aware that we'll refer to certain metrics and non-IFRS measures. Where possible, these measures are identified and reconcile to the most comparable IFRS measures in our MDNA. Finally, let me remind you that all figures expressed on today's call are in Canadian dollars, unless otherwise stated. Now turning to slide three, which outlines our key financial highlights for the first quarter. Our exceptional results this quarter demonstrate the crystallization of strong secular trends, accelerating the adoption of online meal solutions and grocery shopping, as well as Good Food's long-term business strategy and leading position in these markets. During this quarter, we continue to experience outstanding growth and accomplishments while also managing significant business and human challenges. Our employees have consistently worked tremendously hard to respond to the essential grocery and meal planning needs of Canadians, all the while operating under enhanced safety protocols to keep our workforce and customers safe. To all Good Food employees, I want to say thank you again for believing in our vision, but most of all, for your hard work and dedication to our members and our company. This important quarter was marked by continued strong growth and key metrics, highlighting the strength of our operational 
uh, execution and success of our business strategy. We are pleased to report strong subscriber growth and even stronger revenue growth while achieving positive earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization, in addition to record levels on several key metrics. First, our active subscriber count passed the 300,000 milestone, standing at 306,000 active subscribers. The convenience of our service, unique customer experience, and quality of our products continue to drive good food penetration from coast to coast and across demographics. Our year-over-year -year growth in revenue outpaced our growth in subscribers by a factor of two, as our strategy to expand our product offering and provide a larger share of our customers' grocery basket translated again into larger basket sizes and more frequent orders. As such, our revenues for the quarter reached a record $91.4 million, a 62% year-over-year increase. Second, our strong operational execution has further expanded our gross margin, which stood at 32.3% this quarter, a 3.5 percentage point year-over-year -year improvement. A decrease in incentives and credits, improvement in delivery costs, driven by good courier uh, initiative, and increased density, improved packaging unit costs, and automation investments contribute, contributed to the gross margin increase. Third, we are pleased to report a third consecutive quarter positive EBITDA. This reflects not only growth in revenue and gross margin improvements, but also an efficient operating leverage driven by a higher revenue base. Adjusted EBITDA reached $1.4 million for the quarter, or a margin of 1.5%, representing an improvement of eight percentage points compared to the same period last year. Overall, our financial performance this quarter has been exceptional, driven by the accelerated penetration of online grocery shopping. I'll now turn to slide four to share some key business highlights. First, we continue to deliver strong growth, the keystone of our overall business, and record financial performance. By building and positioning good food to respond to Canadians' strong and sustained demand for online grocery and meal solutions shopping, we have been able to not only increase active subscribers by 33% year over year, but also provide customers <clears throat> with an offering that allowed them to purchase bigger baskets as evidenced by the revenue growth being nearly double the subscriber growth this quarter. Our trailing 12 months revenue have now surpassed the $300 million milestone, standing at $321 million. Moreover, our gross profit growth Came in, two, came in two and a half times higher than our subscriber growth, demonstrating our ability to continuously execute strongly on operational initiatives, providing better profitability. Second, this strong performance has been and continues to be enabled by our obsession with member happiness. This quarter, we continue to execute on our strategy to consistently enhance our members' experience by launching and increasing the availability of Good Food Wow, our unlimited same-day delivery service in the greater Montreal area. Our members are absolutely loving our same-day delivery and, are excited, and we are excited to launch it soon in the greater Toronto area. By the end of this calendar year, it will be available to many more Canadians coast to coast. We've also continued to bolster our product offering, which now counts nearly 550 products 
up 37% quarter over quarter. We are well on our way to reaching the 4,000 SKU goal set as part of our long-term strategy. Our members are showing their appreciation for the quality and value of our new products through consistently high ratings, reorder rates, and what we like to call a cult-like following. Third, our team continues to execute at a very high level on all fronts to drive operational ex excellence from product sourcing all the way to customers' doors. We have increased the penetration of the good courier fleet, which now delivers well over half of our volume. This has been made possible by the use of last mile hubs and our customers love the new refrigerated vans used by Good Courier, which help reduce packaging in our deliveries, thereby creating cost savings and reducing our environmental footprint. Combined with lower packaging costs and investments in technology and automation, which continue to drive more efficient operations, our gross margin now stands at 32.3% for the quarter a grocery industry leading level in Canada. Fourth, our strong growth, continuously improving value proposition to customers and world-class operational execution have all led to impressive product offering uptake, margin and loyalty momentum. This quarter alone, we have delivered almost a half million good food branded grocery products to our customers, 13 times more than the same period last year and 65% more than in Q4 of fiscal 2020. Thus, the progress we have made in growing selection, delivery speed, and use of automation and technology has enabled us to reach a record gross profit per subscriber of over $100, highlighting the success of our investments to date with considerably more room to grow. Finally, 94% of our revenues have come from loyal subscribers who have ordered three or more times, further establishing that our strategic flywheel has robust momentum and strong unit economics. Finally, this exceptional performance on all fronts has driven strong shareholder returns as our share price is currently approximately four times its level at the beginning of calendar 2020 with our market cap now surpassing the $800 million mark. On that note, I will now turn the call to Philippe to go over our financial performance. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning, everyone. Turning to slide five, which provides details in subscribers and revenues. The acceleration of online grocery and meal solutions adoption combined with good food increase in product offering and customer loyalty have allowed us to achieve record results this quarter. Subscriber grew 33% year-over-year to surpass the 300,000 milestone, and revenues show significantly higher year-over-year -year growth of 62% to hit the record level of $91.4 million, up $35.1 million compared to the same period last year. The increase in revenues was primarily driven by sustained order rates and bigger basket sizes from our current subscribers, driven by an increased product offering, as well as strong additions of new subscribers. In summary, our customers are ordering more frequently and are buying more products from us. The stronger revenue growth compared to subscriber growth underscores the success of our strategy to broaden our grocery product offering to fill a larger portion of customers' basket. Also, as we pointed out, the vast majority of our revenues came from customers who have placed three orders or more, 
a trend that was mostly sustained this quarter and that is highlighting our subscriber-based loyalty, the stickiness of our customers, and our decreasing churn rate. Please now turn to slide six, which looks at our profitability levels. Our gross profit increased to $29.6 million, a record, or a margin of 32.3%, an increase of 3.5 percentage points year over year. The increase in gross margin resulted mainly from lower credits and incentives as a percentage of revenues due to an efficient marketing strategy and record low level of quality issues, but also to improved unit economics or packaging driven by scale and the use of less expensive packaging for certain deliveries, as well as lower shipping costs explained by the favorable cost structure of good carrier and by higher density among the delivery zones. Benefits from investments in automation have also driven operational efficiencies that have enhanced our cost structure. This was partially offset by $0.9 million of COVID-19 related costs, such as personal protection equipment and agency premiums for additional production employees. We're also pleased to report another quarter of a positive adjusted EBITDA at $1.4 million or a margin of 1.5%. This strong performance resulted primarily from higher revenues and gross profit, the efficiency of our marketing strategy, as well as operating leverage as SGNA expenses as a percentage of revenues continue to decrease year over year, despite significant investment in our people with several key additions in multiple departments. We will continue to invest in technology and hiring key personnel over the coming quarters as we look to further develop a technological and data-driven edge in our business model. Our net loss this quarter decreased by 48%, $2.7 million or $0.04 cents per share. Turning to slide seven for cash flow and capital expenditures. We generated cash flow from operating activities of $2.1 million for the first quarter of this fiscal year. This was enabled by our attractive negative working capital structure combined with a growing scale and a reduced net loss. Capital expenditures for Q1 were $2.9 million or only 3% of our Q1 revenue. They were mainly related to the build out of the flagship facility in the GTA the continued investment in automation equipment and technology, as well as investments in infrastructure in various facilities across the country. Note that while our CapEx plans may be slightly delayed by the COVID-19 pandemic, we are still confident we'll be able to complete our investments and achieve our plan with minimal delays. For fiscal 2021, we now plan on investing at least $30 million in capital expenditures to build out our flagship facility in Toronto implement the infrastructure for same-day delivery across the country, and further increase our automation and technology. We ended the quarter in a solid financial position with cash and cash equivalent of $104 million. We have great flexibility to grow from current levels, withstand headwinds, and execute on our strategy. Finally, we'd like to turn to slide eight to provide some color on our outlook. E-commerce, grocery, and meal solution shopping were already two of the fastest growing industries in the world before the current pandemic hit nearly 10 months ago. Since March of 2020, the strong growth was significantly accelerated and we have seen a bigger movement to grocery shopping completed online. We have seen this shift be sustained over 10 months now and expected to continue accelerating over the coming years as consumers adapt the convenience of receiving grocery items purchased online delivered directly to their home. We expect trips to physical grocery stores to continue to decline over the coming years. 
or online platform and delivered to own fulfillment model have supported this trend and the strong growth in demand. And we are now more than ever investing in operational capabilities, people, and technology to continue supporting this shift. The pandemic has brought about significant challenges and opportunities, and precisely evaluating the full range of medium and long-term impacts remains difficult. We anticipate that a significant portion of grocery and food consumption traditionally done in stores or restaurants has shifted and will continue to shift online. The trends we began to see in March and April this year have now crystallized over time as evidenced by the strong demand seen in the past two quarters. Investing in our strategy to build the number one direct-to-consumer grocery technology company continues to be our main priority. With Good Foods footprint of purpose-built fulfillment centers, investments in increased selection, customer flexibility, scale, density, automation, and technology, we are in a great position to capitalize on the cemented behavioral shift. We are thrilled that this strategy has had the intended effects of enhancing our profit per subscriber, which has in turn allowed us to continue focusing on growth. As we continue to invest, we recognize that we are still in the early days of digitizing one of Canada's largest industries. We are making great progress each quarter on building the economic moat around a business that will give good food an incredibly valuable long-term competitive advantage. This concludes our financial highlights for the first quarter and our prepared remarks for today. We'll now be pleased to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Certainly. At this time, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1. Again, that we, we ask that you please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question to allow everyone an opportunity. Martin Landry with Stiefel, your line is open. Hi, good morning, everyone, and congratulations on your good results. Thank you, Martin. Um, my, my first question is on your uh, your same-day delivery uh, opportunity in, in, in the greater Toronto area. I was wondering if you could um, talk to us a little bit about um, what's left to uh, to prepare or, or what's left to, to build out uh, before you're able to offer these these services, the same delivery service uh, in, in the GDA area. Hey, Martin, it's Neil. Um, thanks for the question. Uh, in terms of left, uh, we have the, the one facility up and running, so it's a matter of just getting the SKUs in the facility, so that's been ramping up well, um, and then making clients aware that uh, the, the service is available. So. Uh, we're starting to uh, market in Q2 and Q3 for same day, uh, and uh, we'll continue to, to kind of build awareness in that market um, in, the, uh, in the next quarters and, and years. So uh, in terms of what's left, there's not a tremendous amount of, of work left other than transferring SKUs and making people aware that it's available. Is 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 it are, is the service available on a, on a pilot mode before an official launch right now? Are you speaking this GTA specifically or? Yes, yes. Right now, it's not available same day service, but it will be available in the coming months. Okay, okay. And we will and we'll, then, we'll do a progressive. We'll definitely do a progressive rollout as we've done with many other things. We don't want to do a big bang launch and have any. Um, uh, operational issues kind of uh, hit us in the face, so we'll we'll turn it on and and ramp it up uh, progressively. Yeah, okay. The, the other thing I would add to that is, um, other than <clears throat> the operational um, considerations of going into um, um, 
kind of a, a second uh, <clears throat> more important lockdown in, in Montreal and, and, <clears throat> and in the GTA. Um, we wanted to ensure the stability um, of the overall operations, right, to, to make sure um, that we could fulfill on the customer uh, experience and promise before uh, accelerating delivery times in the GTA. Um, so so um, that's progressing well. Um, and then the other thing is we, we were looking um, at ensuring that we were happy with um, all of the metrics and, and the economics of WOW and, and same-day delivery uh, in, in the greater Montreal area. So the, uh, the NPS scores um, are, are um, really exciting to see um, on WOW in Montreal. Um, the basket sizes uh, are similar uh, to our weekly subscription but the order um, frequency is higher. Um, and then just overall, the, the qualitative uh, feedback from our members is it, it's a magic moment for them, right? When, when they've been used to receiving their deliveries in five days after um, placing the order or the cutoff, it, it's, a, it's just a magic moment to receive it uh, on a same day basis. So we were, we were gathering um, all of this information, making sure that we were happy with the gross margins as well. And so that's all coming together really nicely, um, and we'll be ready to uh, to scale up progressively, as Neil mentioned, uh, in the GTA and and, and launch our uh, same day delivery service there. Perfect. Thank you very much, Lou Cannon with Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open. Thanks. Good morning, guys. Um, I wanted to dig in a little bit more on the. Um, the incentives and credits, it was a, a very significant year-over-year -year, um, decrease as a percentage of revenues. And I believe in the press release you call out um, an efficient marketing strategy and, uh, and low level of quality issues. So I just wanted to learn a little bit more um, about that marketing strategy and what exactly that entailed. And is that something that you guys can uh, sort of repeat for the balance of the, the fiscal year? Yeah, thanks very much. Uh for the question. Um, on, on the marketing side, um, we've been successful in um, both marketing our ready-to-cook offering um, efficiently across Canada. <clears throat> so that entails um, some brand new um, creatives and, and uh, market positioning around ensuring the customer is aware of good food and understands that good food is, a, it is uh, you know, what we're calling Eating evolved, right? It's it's the um, uh, most interesting, newest way in which customers can can do their grocery shopping, meal planning uh, for the week, and just uh, a matter of minutes, conveniently uh, receive the products at home. Um, and um, our customers are really understanding that every other way to do grocery shopping or meal planning is really becoming outdated uh, compared to to the offering that uh, Good Food is is proposing to them. So I would say it's partly the efficiency of, of our positioning and, and new creatives. Um, I would say um, when, when we think about um, some of the, the uh, other aspects of the marketing efficiency, uh, we're also including um, in, um, increases in um, customer retention and customer uh, lifetime value that are coming through um, bigger basket sizes and and higher order rates or, or more order frequency. 
we believe that we still have uh, a lot of growth available, both in, in basket size and order frequency compared to um, broader, um, uh, let's say, global online grocery um, uh, KPIs on those metrics. So, so we, we still think that we have room to grow, um, but we're including that in, in our marketing efficiency. And so um, because we're growing selection, because we're growing uh, delivery speed, um, we're making a payback on our marketing spend more quickly uh, than in the past. And so um, our intent is to continue growing that selection, um, rolling out progressively our same-day delivery uh, service uh, across the country, and we expect that that should continue to, to enable us to, to generate um, superior returns on our marketing spend. Understood. Um, and then, Neil, I wanted to go back to something you said. I think I think you had mentioned that marketing spend for uh, Good Food Wow and the GTA, when you guys eventually roll it out, you expect that marketing spend to increase um, in Q2 and Q3. I did notice that was something else um, that was mentioned, is that marketing spend um, as a whole for Q1, I think, was, was uh, decrease. It was a controlled decrease. Um, so should we expect Q2, Q3, and maybe the balance of the year? Should that be more of a normal uh, marketing spend? Like, should we, should we expect it to ramp back up to what you guys would have done historically, or how should we think about that? Yeah, so John, maybe you want to take that one, too? Yeah, I'm happy to take it. Um, December, uh, so maybe to clarify, um, Q1 uh, marketing spend was uh, certainly increased quarter over quarter versus Q4, which is a, a slower seasonal period for us. Um, December is also uh, um, typically a, a slower seasonal period for us. Um, we were happy with uh, some of the results that we saw with our new product offerings. So, for example, our, uh, our holiday dinners, we had some um, uh, turkey dinner uh, kind of a, a really nice turkey dinner for six people um, with with all of the sides, the trimming, the turkey. Um, and, and so our holiday meals did really well, I would say, in, in the last uh, couple weeks of December, but still a, a seasonally slower period for us. Um, and so as we look uh, to the kind of the, the remaining uh, months in our fiscal year, um, January and February are typically months where um, – we continue to, to see uh, strong uptake in our service and, and uh, market to uh, to customers. And then um, the summer months will typically be when uh, we'll pull back on our marketing spend. Um, it's just a slower seasonal period for us. And then we'll gear up for, for back to school. And just, just to add to that, Luke, it decrease as a percentage of sales, not necessarily in, uh, in dollar. And... Um, and also, like to your credit and incentive question, like just to add to that as well, like they, they were basically cut in half, and yes, due to the marketing, but also to the record low level of uh, of quality issues due to the quality of our products, the almost no stock out, and the uh, high efficiency of our of our shipping and logistics. Got it. Great. Uh, last one for me, and then I'll pass the line. Just on the. Um the incremental COVID costs that you guys called out almost a, a million dollars. Is that, should we just, I guess a clarification, is that all in the cost of sales line or is that, is, is it most of that in cost of sales and then some of that in SG and A? Um, it's mostly in cost of sales. And, um, and yeah, I mean, with the current curfew that we're seeing in Montreal and, uh, and, and Toronto and 
the rest of Canada, I think we uh, we we still expect to see these uh, costs in the short term, uh, but it should gradually reduce um, over time uh, to to zero. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And and Luke, just to just on that, I mean, this is uh, this is the the cost that we are accounting in our COGS, but definitely that doesn't include all the time that the management spend on it and all the the, the time that is indirect. So um, definitely conservative representation of the investment that Good Foods is making. Michael Glenn with Raymond James. Your line is open. Hey, good morning. Um, Jonathan, during your opening comments, you, you talked about uh, 500,000 uh, SKUs and 65% growth in that figure from 4Q20. Uh, can you just clarify exactly what you were referring to there? Yeah, good morning. So I was referring to uh, our private label grocery SKUs. Um, so excluding um, our ready-to-cook meals uh, and, our, and our other meal solutions, uh, we delivered almost a half a million um, individual grocery, like good food branded grocery items. Um, so the intent was to, to give a little bit of a sense of traction um, on the number of units that we were that that we're currently delivering, just on the private label grocery side, um, so we're we're quite impressed with the traction. Uh, we're happy with the uh, uptake rates and increased uh, penetration of uh, grocery products within our base, uh, but there continues to be huge room to grow, both in terms of uptake rate uh, and um, launching additional grocery SKUs as well. So we'll give you some period uh, periodic. Uh, updates in terms of traction on that front. And, and as you add SKUs, you see that as leading to benefit in terms of the growth in that overall figure as well? Um, that's correct. The, as we add SKUs, <clears throat> we're seeing um, both increase in order frequency, so there's more reason to come shop uh, with good food in any, in any given week. Uh, but also uh, continued growth in, in basket size. And um, we're certainly seeing, um, uh, let's say over the past quarter, we've seen um, some record uh, basket sizes as well. Um, I think both in terms of order rate um, and in terms of basket sizes, there's uh, certainly part of the increase that's um, uh, related to um, COVID and, and stay-at-home orders. And part of the increase that's related to the to our strategy of, of growing SKUs. So it, it's hard to distinguish between the two. But what we do know is um, um, more established online uh, grocery companies will typically have a, a basket size of around one hundred and and twenty dollars. So we're we're still pretty far from that. Um, and then and then the average um, shopper in a in a brick and mortar retail store um, is visiting. Uh, grocery store about two and a half times per week. So we're, we're still very far from those penetration levels. And, and those are kind of our, our long-term targets or long-term objectives to, to close that gap. Okay, that's uh, that's really interesting. Um, and then just to uh, come into the meal kit market, so your primary competitor in the market has been out publicly stating that there's, they're gaining market share in Canada. Um, I'm just wondering if you can you can comment on that dynamic and how you see the competitive dynamic in the Canadian market right now. Yeah, we're seeing um, the entire market 
um, both in terms of meal kits and uh, meal solutions and, and groceries uh, growing nicely across Canada. Um, uh, you know, I think um, depending on um, uh, the sources of data that you look at, that you look at, I'm, I'm not sure what sources of data they're looking at, um, and we don't have access to any of their um, actual financials. So uh, it, it's it's hard to uh, comment on on their specific market share um, claims. Um, I would say longer term, we're, we're really building out a, a differentiated strategy. So. Um, you know, we're, we're interested in, in following these different uh, competitors, but we think long-term we're, we're in a really good position to have uh, more of a one-stop shop. So having our differentiated meal solutions and meal kits, which our customers love, uh, but being able to offer more of a complete grocery shop, we think is, is going to significantly uh, differentiate us from uh, any specific meal kit competitor. Um, and I think if, if you also look at the website visits, um, we have about 1.6 million, uh, and we had about 1.6 million uh, website visits in December, um, which is the the largest amount of website visits of any uh, meal kit uh, business in, in Canada, uh, and compares very favorably to website visits of, I think we're above Instacart as well. And so, so it's not a direct proxy, but um, we do look at at website visits to think about our market share as well. Okay. Thanks for taking the questions. Thanks very much. Frederick Tomley with Desjardins Capital Markets. Your line is open. Good morning and congrats on the continued strong performance. Um, Thanks. Thanks very much. First, yeah, first question is, uh, is on your comment on 94% on of revenue coming from subscribers with uh, three or more orders. Uh, I was wondering if that's consistent across the cords, meaning um, those that joined during COVID and those that were there before COVID, if you could maybe comment on order frequencies uh, for those two cords. Um, thanks, Fred. I mean, what uh, what we've seen in 2020 is that an, an increase of the loyalty uh, of our customers. So definitely, um, I think we're showing a, a, a number of like, 91% of our customer with two orders or more in 2019. And then 2020, that number jumped to 94% for three orders or more, which is a significant jump. And it's, um, I mean, COVID-19 impacted our fiscal 2020, but definitely the acceleration was done much before uh, COVID-19 hit. And, um, and what we're seeing broadly is, is just an acceleration of the loyalty of our customers and a reduction of our churn. So, um, people are staying longer with us and ordering ordering more frequently with bigger basket sizes. So overall, uh, uh, maybe the unit economics was a bit accelerated by the COVID-19, but acceleration was done way before. Thank you. And um, maybe a question on, on, on cost inflation. Are you seeing any um, meaningful inflation for, for ingredients or order costs? And um, what sort of initiatives could you take to, uh, to offset that? Yeah, hey Fred, it's Neil. Thanks for the the question. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think we had similar quarter, similar questions about that in, in past quarters, and uh, the answer remains kind of consistent. Like we're seeing the same inflation on the food side that all the grocers are seeing and customers are seeing. We're uh, we're able to mitigate part of that by uh, intelligent menu design or working with different suppliers. Um, 
but uh, always uh, faced that, that same headwind. Um, and then on the labor side, uh, as Phil mentioned, like there's about a million dollars of cost this quarter, um, mostly related to PPNE. But uh, what you don't see in that uh, COVID-related cost is uh, is the uh, additional wages or the unemployment rate coming down in in the warehouse labor market, making it uh, more challenging to find people. So it's not stuff that we haven't faced in the past. Um, we added about 2,000 employees over the last 12 months, so we're still able to uh, to bring uh, high-quality talent uh, on board. But I would say, um, similar to to all the grocers and Amazon and other uh, companies in the e-commerce space, uh, we see those two as uh, as headwinds that we uh, we're dealing with. Great, thanks very much. Ryan Lee with National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my questions. Um, congrats on another good quarter. I uh, just want to talk about early Q2 trends, um, particularly as some lockdowns, more restricted measures took place across uh, several provinces in, in the country. Um, first of all, is there is there any impact on, on your scheduling, on your on your shifts that you're able to do uh, with some of the curfews in Quebec? Um, and secondly, like I think the general view in the grocery space is that any potential spikes won't be as big as, as, as what was experienced in the spring. Is that kind of um, your expectation as well um, as we go into the current lockdowns? Yeah. Good morning. And thanks very much for the question. Um, So our, our, I would say the the biggest difference um, with this lockdown versus the last one, uh, certainly in Montreal is uh, the addition of a curfew between uh, 8 p.m. And, and 5 a.m. Um, our main concern there was uh, ensuring that our night shift employees. So we so we do have we do operate um, our fulfillment centers 24 hours a day, and so um, uh, the main concern was for the night shift employees um, to be able to get to work safely and and attend their shifts. Um, if you recall, back in in the spring, um, we did have uh, high levels of uh, absenteeism. Uh, during the lockdown in, in our um, on our shifts uh, because employees were were scared to leave their homes and and come to work um, so we we proactively um, uh, did a lot of, of work this time around to make sure that uh, communication to our to our employees were clear um, that they had access to essential worker letters in case they um, were stopped on the street for for any reason particularly coming to their night shift um, and so this has been in place only since uh, since Saturday, so it's still early days, but um, we're happy to see that our employees are uh, comfortable uh, coming to work. Um, there are uh, some added um, costs, of course, right, of uh, uh, management time and, and dealing with um, um, this lockdown and, and the curfew, um, but we are able to focus uh, more on our operations this time around. So the, the first time around, we were still trying to figure out um, how to social distance, um, how to separate employees in the cafeteria, how to set up um, barriers and, and plexiglass and that kind of um, protective equipment. Um, so this time around, um, there, there's certainly a lot of the groundwork that was already set up and in place, which is um, uh, really helpful. Um, and then in terms of trends, I think um, we, we're continuing to see uh, strong uptake of uh, new subscribers, uh, uh, 
solid order rates, continued growth in, in our basket sizes. Uh, so we're happy with, uh, with all of the economics that we're seeing right now. Okay, thank you for that. George Dumay with Scotiabank, your line is open. Good morning, guys. Uh, congratulations on a, on a strong quarter. Uh, maybe I'm going to ask this question in a different way, but can you talk a little bit about how the first half of the quarter evolved versus the second half of the quarter when obviously there was more you know, COVID-related restrictions, maybe in terms of the metrics you guys provided? Can you maybe help us delineate the start versus maybe the exit? Yeah, happy to do so. Thank you, and, and good morning. Um, so I would say the the, uh, the start of the quarter. So um, in certainly in September um, we were uh, gearing up for for a back to school season that was going to be a little bit different than uh, previous back to school seasons. Uh, we did see a high level of of activity in the market. Um, so certainly competitors were. Uh, marketing as usual again in, in September. Um, uh, in October and November, uh, I would say we had a, a very, or particularly in November, we had a, um, a great Black Friday um, season and, and promotion, which led to, uh, uh, I would say, um, a good part of the uh, customer ads for the quarter um, happened in, in kind of the, the back half of, of Q1. Um, I think that's pretty much the, the commentary that I can add. Um, I would say we, we are, um, uh, we were marketing, uh, uh, you know, I would say in a, in a, an efficient manner across the country, uh, focusing primarily on ready to cook solutions in Western Canada, uh, and Eastern Canada, both ready to cook, but, uh, growing the awareness of our, uh, expanded product offering. Um, and so that's uh, partly what led to the increase in basket sizes. Um, in November. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I, I would add. I would add to that, George, that uh, definitely the extension of our product offering throughout the quarter made a difference uh, in the second uh, second half, and uh, definitely impacted our basket size and order rate. Okay. Thanks for that. And maybe on that topic, um, guys, you know, as we ramp up, you know, the 550 skew counts to 4,000. Are there any specific categories within grocery that you feel that you maybe underrepresented today, or is it going to be just the same categories, but more products? Um, I would say the, um, one of the most uh, underrepresented uh, categories right now is um, kind of on, on the standalone fruit and vegetable side. Um, so we've, we focused uh, certainly the, the first 500 SKUs on uh, um, items that are, uh, high margin um, and with uh, extended shelf lives. Uh, we do have the capabilities internally, right, to, to deal with um, fresh and, and perishable products because of our um, experience in the base meal kit business. Um, and we'll be launching, um, uh, or let's say, a, a small or restricted or curated assortment um, of uh, fruits and vegetables um, in um, the coming quarters and the intent is, is it's really you know the fresh part of our business um, is really one of the most important differentiators um, and and when customers are thinking about um, 
doing their online grocery shopping for the for the very first time. There's there's um, three components that that are really interesting. So they think about, of course, uh, pricing. Um, they think about the assortment, and they're also thinking about is is the quality of the fresh product uh, going to be the same or better than what I would have picked out uh, in the store on my own. Uh, and we think we have a, a real uh, opportunity to differentiate from the personal shopper model, like um, uh, uh, an Uber Eats or an Instacart, um, walking into a grocery store and, and uh, shopping for your grocery basket, because we're able to manage uh, our supply chain in, in a more vertically integrated way than they are. Um, so we expect that we will be able to offer better quality, better pricing, um, and really differentiate on the fresh side. And that's coming in, in calendar 2021. Okay. Thanks for the color. And so let me one last one, if I may. Um, obviously, our business model has benefited quite a bit from the negative working capital with the meal kits. Um, but as we ramp up those SKUs and as we invest in the GTA, uh, just to what extent do you think our free cash flow conversion um, may, uh, you know, may not be as strong given the need for more and more inventory in, in, that, in that part of the business? I can take uh, this one. Um, so, so far, like if you look at our Q1 and your Q4, we've opened um, new facilities, we've launched hundreds of SKUs, and, um, and we're able to, to mitigate the inventory impact. Um, like uh, as John was mentioning, like we, we became experts at, uh, at dealing with perishable products and, uh, and high inventory turnover. So, um, so d definitely it, it's, um, it's a challenge to continue to excel and maintain a low inventory turnover. But uh, as we invest in our technology and as we get more efficient, operationally speaking, um, we, um, we are definitely able to manage tightly our inventory. We saw a very small impact in Q1 and no impact in Q4 at all, like I said, despite the, uh, the new facility openings. And if you look at our Q1, like our cash flow generation was uh, above $2 million in terms of cash flow from ops. And, uh, and we were able to do three years in a row of free cash flow. So uh, we hope to continue to, to do so. And sorry, John, you were going to say something, or Neil? Yeah, no, sorry, George. I was just going to add that the, um, the large grocers are also negative working cap business models. So it's not like a, a, a business model that's going into a different type of working capital structure. So we anticipate benefiting from it uh, on both sides of the business. Okay, thanks. Okay, our final question is a follow-up from Martin Landry with Stiefel. Your line is open. Yeah, thank you for uh, taking my question. The, I, I wanted to just uh, have uh, some color on, on the geographic, um, um, try, to, try to find, try to see, um, you know, how customer, uh, new customer counts are coming in terms of uh, if there's any variation in any of the, your geographies in terms of um, new additions for your, for your subscribers? Okay. Hi, hi Martin. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely we saw some, uh, some great things in the, in the couple uh, last quarters. I mean, our, um, our customers evolve in many ways and uh, we're happy to report that we had as many customers in their 20s and as in their 60s now. Um, so we're seeing um, like, yes, the early adopters were uh, young professional, but it's, it was like five years ago. So now we have, uh, we have uh, older customers uh, that they're ordering um, frequently with the uh, large basket size, and we love to see that. And I think, I think with the 
during pandemic, um, like we even have like customers that are and they're uh, at like 86, 87, 88 years old. So, um, so I think people are seeing our business model as a as a way to keep uh, their family safe and uh, and receive their food at their door without uh, going to brick and mortar stores. So, um, definitely a benefit uh, of our business model, and we're happy to see uh, to see our customers evolving in that sense as well. Okay, are you are you seeing? Um more customers coming in from Quebec versus Western Canada. Uh, I'm just trying to get a sense of where your new customers are coming from. I would say it's uh, it continues to be um, uh, representative of the population across the country. Um, we, so we are trying to balance demand within our um, fulfillment center network. <clears throat> um, and so for that reason, we try and, and, and make sure that we're um, building out capacity and density um, evenly and representative of the population across the country. And certainly um, the GTA has been a, a huge growth area for us uh, over the past 12 months. We've been, we, we were always um, more penetrated in, in uh, Quebec, given that it was our, our first market and, and our head office was uh, is based in Quebec, um, and so so yes, I would say Ontario is is leading the growth in terms of numbers, um, and um, BC is uh, leading in terms of uh, percentage growth. I would say um, as of uh, Q1. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Martin. There are no further questions at this time. I would now like to turn it back over to Mr. Ferrari for final remarks. Thanks again uh, for joining us on this call. We look forward um, to speaking with you uh, on our uh, next quarterly call. Have a great day. This concludes the Good Food Call. We thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.